This is the Insulon podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... Hi, it's me again, and I want to ask you one more question. Why does the medicine hurt if it's supposed to help me feel better? Bye! But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulon podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. And we're recording. Here we go again. Another week, another episode, and another chance to help redefine diabetes. How's everybody doing? Feeling good? Graham? feeling good Owen I am feeling super I'm very excited about this episode because it's something a little bit different but before we get into it I want to know about your week because last week you had Basma Adams on great episode so I haven't been talking to you properly for it's been 14 days so tell me, how have you been, brother? I miss you, Graham. I miss you. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. I have to say, if Basma is listening right now, big shout out to her again. Fantastic episode. Really, really good speaker. I uh, I didn't really have to do much talking at all for that episode. So she had a lot of uh, a lot of solid diabetes advice in there. So thanks again, Baz. My week, Graham, has been pretty normal. Nothing too extravagant happening this week, although. As you know, I have a Dexcom recently. I got it, I'd say, maybe two months ago. But I've always had it on my stomach. And I thought, why not change it up? Let's put it on the back of my shoulder. See see how we get on with that. And it was pretty awful. So, yeah, is there a specific part of the body you're supposed to put it on? In theory, should it work everywhere? Should it get a reading of your blood everywhere in your body? What's the difference between your stomach and the back of your arm? In theory, it should work everywhere. But the reason that usually you'll put or typically you'll put it on your stomach is because more often than not, there's going to be more fat there. So it's going to be more comfortable to wear than if it's just slapped on some muscular part. I've always had it on my stomach, which has worked well. But like I said, I made the shift onto the back of my shoulder and it was very very uncomfortable and it wasn't that it was just uncomfortable I felt as if my readings were off a lot too so I have gone I suppose the guts of nine years solid with diabetes just like pricking my finger and checking my blood sugar with the meter rather than a continuous glucose monitor so I'm very well in tune with how my body feels and realizing if my blood sugars are high or low for the most part so when the Dexcom was on my shoulder, I felt as if my readings were off a lot and it, I was getting a lot of high alarms and I was thinking, hmm, that's strange. I don't feel as if my blood sugar is high because usually if I get an alarm from my Dexcom and it says, oh, your blood sugar is high, your blood sugar is high, I can then kind of resort back to how I feel in my body and be like, hmm, oh yeah, I am high. You know, that kind of way. Yeah. But... I was getting these alarms and I was like, there's no way, there's no way I'm high. So I would check my blood monitor because that's like the most accurate way to check your blood sugar. And it was way off. I was getting readings of like 12, 13, 14. And then I would check my blood sugar and it'd be like six or seven. That's massive. 
Now, for anybody in the States listening to that, that's a difference of maybe 50, 60, 70 on your blood sugar readings, which is huge. So I was like, I'm not putting up with that. I'm not, I'm not being told my blood sugar is like sky high when it's not. So ripped off the early sensor and then put it back on my stomach. So that's that's pretty much been the uh, <laughs> the main excitement from my week. <laughs> if you were giving <laughs> someone advice on moving the Dexcom, the area of the Dexcom, would you say then do what you did? Move it to a different area. You're not really familiar with it, but then also maybe in tandem use the prick your finger as well, just to test it out to see if they match up, to see if it's an accurate reading of your body. Absolutely. Yeah. It's always important to, you know, be be dead sure of where your blood sugar is sitting because devices like like CGMs aren't always going to be super accurate. So it's very, very important that you're, you kind of have that ability to I suppose, listen to your own body, but then check it with a blood sugar monitor to be doubly sure. Let's get on to this week's episode. I'm super excited about this episode. So usually we would say in most podcasts that you can email Owen a question, the insulone podcast at gmail.com. And we try to get to as many as we can. But we were having a conversation a few weeks ago about kids and people getting diagnosed at an early age and I'm sure kids don't really have access to their own email accounts. So a week or two ago, Owen, you put up a story on your Instagram, at Insalone. If you don't follow him, give him a follow already. And you said, "Is do you have a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, a niece or a nephew who has diabetes? And do they be asking you questions about it? Well, then send Owen an Instagram voice message. We'll play it on the podcast and then Owen will answer it because I'm sure there could be other kids who listen to this podcast that will be thinking the same thing. Yeah, this is an episode I've been looking forward to and a very special episode, I think, because it's not very common that I will speak to children who have diabetes because vast majority of people that I speak to will be through Instagram or email or just online messaging. So a lot of those people will be teenagers, young adults, adults or parents of children with diabetes. So I felt this was a good opportunity to maybe try and speak to a couple of kids around the world that have diabetes. And at that age, you're not as connected to the online diabetes community. So you might feel as if you're the only person in the world who has diabetes. You might feel like it's strange going into school, having to inject or check your blood sugar when other kids don't have to do that. So this is a good opportunity to uh, to send out a good message to kids and to let them know that they're definitely not the only ones out there living with type 1 diabetes. Okay, I know, Owen, you receive loads of messages and we've had a discussion before the podcast that this isn't going to be the only one we're going to do where kids get to ask the question. So if we don't get to your question today, we will get to it in a future episode. But let's begin with the very first one and we're going to the United States. Hi, my name is Clarice. I live in Texas, USA. I am six years old. I was diagnosed when I was two. How do you tell new friends about your diabetes? Thank you, Clarice, for asking me a question. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm delighted you can be on the podcast. I was actually talking to your mom, Erica, and she told me that she's very proud of how you manage your diabetes each day. And she is amazed at how well you live your life to the fullest still, despite your diabetes. So well done with that. And she also sent me a picture of you holding up your number six balloon. And I saw that your Dexcom is on your arm 
just like where mine was. So we're similar in that way too. Now, to answer your question, it's very important that your friends know about your diabetes. Maybe you could tell them during lunchtime or you could explain that you need to take some extra care with the food that you eat. I'm sure you know loads about diabetes already and I'm sure they'd definitely be interested to see all your supplies, what you have to do each day, how you manage your blood sugar. I know my friends certainly do anyway. They're fascinated by it. They think it's amazing because it's so different to what they have to do each day. Me and you would have very similar routines. I'm sure what you do on your day-to-day, Clarice, is very similar to what I do. We check our blood sugar. We take our insulin. We watch the food that we eat. We make sure we feel good. We make sure we feel healthy. So how you live your life is very, very similar to how I live mine. Like I said, it's very important that you tell your friends and your teachers so that they can help you manage your blood sugar when you're in school or playing during lunchtime. And as well, I think you would want to know if one of your friends had diabetes because the more you know about their diabetes, the more that they can help you. So it's very, very important that you let them know. You can teach them all about your diabetes. You can show them your supplies and then that gives them the opportunity to give you an extra hand if you maybe need some help some days. I know as Owen's friend, and I know Clarice, we're, we probably seem like old men in comparison <laughs> to you, Clarice, but I've known Owen for a long time and I keep learning more and more about his diabetes. And I know as a friend of someone who has diabetes and I don't have diabetes, I find it incredibly interesting. And it's good that I know, the more I know about diabetes, the more I can help Owen if he ever needs it when we're out and about, if we're in the gym or we're out for a coffee or having some food or drinks. So definitely the more your friends know about it, the more they can help. And it's really interesting as well. I'm sure they'll be really interested to know about your diabetes and how it all works. Absolutely. Thank you again, Clarice. I really appreciate you sending in a message. And next, we're going to get a message from the Czech Republic. Hello, my name is Elena. I am six. I have diabetes. Since four. How did you feel when you got it? Hi, Elena. Thank you so much for asking the question. I'm delighted to have you on the podcast. And I was talking to your dad and he was telling me that you don't quite speak English fluently. But I have to say that was very, very impressive. Wasn't it, Graham? Definitely. 100%. Keep learning. Your English is nearly better than ours and we have a podcast. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> I was going to say, you speak English better than I did when I was six. <laughs> yeah. so, so well done. And to answer your question, how I felt when I got it. I'm sure, just like you, I was quite scared. I didn't really know what was happening. You go from one day not having to check your blood sugar, take insulin shots. And then the next day you have to look at needles, you have to inject, you have to treat low blood sugars, you have to watch what you eat. So for me, it was scary at the start. And I'm sure you felt like that too, Elena. But having a good support system for me, like my friends and my family was a massive, massive help. And I know from talking to your dad recently, that he wants to know all about your diabetes. He wants you to be as healthy and as happy as you possibly can. And I know that sometimes it can be difficult. Sometimes it can be scary. And sometimes you, you're just fed up and tired from checking your blood sugars or taking your insulin. But it's very important. And there's always going to be friends and family out there looking out for you. 
So it's nothing you can't handle, Elena, and just keep doing what you're doing. You're only six, so you've you've a long way to go. You're going to be even more knowledgeable than Owen is when you're his age in your 20s, Elena. Thank you so much for that message. Next up, Owen, we're going to a country that we hold very close to our heart. It is where we met. We started our friendship. It is, of course, Canada. The memories that come from Canada, Graham. Beautiful. What can we say? Hi, I'm Elizabeth from Ontario, Canada. I am 14 years old and I've had diabetes since I was nine. The question I would like to ask is, how do you keep a positive mindset when you're having a bad diabetes day? Hello, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for asking me a question. And it is a great question. I have to say, it's something that I ask myself a lot, (laughs) even on those bad diabetes days. So I think a big part of of staying positive with the bad days is understanding that the bad days are going to happen no matter what. Even if we weren't diabetic, we'd still have bad days. So good and bad days are just a part of life. And when you have those days, when you're tired, you don't feel good, you're fed up. It's completely normal to feel that way. I feel that way too with my diabetes. I felt like that yesterday. My blood sugars were up and down, up and down. And I just thought, why do I have to deal with this? I have much better things I I would like to look after. And I'm sure you do too, Elizabeth. But a big part of staying positive, despite the bad diabetes days, is knowing that tomorrow will be better. And we can start fresh again. And it's like a clean slate. So your blood sugar can be bad today. And you feel as if, you know, you can't deal with this or you're, you're tired of checking your blood sugar. But tomorrow is another day. Tomorrow, you're going to be more positive. Tomorrow, your blood sugar is going to be better. And it's nothing you cannot handle. Some things that I've picked up on from just being in the podcast and listening to some of your guests is when you're having a bad day, isn't it good to go to the online community? I don't know if Elizabeth has her own Instagram account. I know she's 14, but getting online to the community and chatting to people and knowing that you're not the only one as well, feeling like this is a massive help. And also... Episode seven that we recorded a long, long time ago is turning a negative into a positive. And I think we cover a lot of mindset in that one, too. So that might be an episode that could help you out as well, Elizabeth. And I believe Elizabeth has a second question. How do you keep your sugars in range while you exercise? Again, another great question, Elizabeth. Thank you very much. This is also one that's can be a big problem for people and it's difficult to face the blood sugars going up and down, up and down, up and down when you exercise because based on the exercise that you do, your body can respond in different ways. So I'm sure you're quite an active person based on the question, which is great. So keep doing what you're doing. If you're running or you're you're cycling or playing sport, whatever it is you're doing, keep doing that because that will definitely, definitely help your diabetes management. A lot of this will depend on the type of exercise that you're doing and how you prepare in advance. So I often say with diabetes, it's important to anticipate rather than react. What do I mean by that? When we react to something, it's kind of in the moment. Something has already happened. Our blood sugar may already be high. It could have dropped. It could have put us into a hypo state. So when we're reacting to a result, we're treating it during a workout, during a training session, during a run. 
So what I like to do and what I would advise you to do, Elizabeth, is to anticipate and plan in advance to try and avoid a high or a low before they even happen. So if you exercise and you regularly see your blood sugar rise, that may be as a result of the exercise itself or the food that you've eaten. Whereas if you exercise and your blood sugar drops, that again can be as a result of the exercise or insulin that you've taken. So when I say anticipate, it's good to plan ahead and try to spot a trend with your blood sugar when you exercise. So rather seeing high, low, high, low, high, low, you can look ahead and say, okay, usually my blood sugar will go high. Therefore, I can adjust or alter my insulin and food and same with going low. Usually, if my blood sugar goes low, I can adjust my insulin or I can adjust my food prior to that exercise. Brilliant. We'll move on to the next question. Our first guy, and it is Colin. Hi, Owen. My name is Colin from Levittown, Pennsylvania in the United States. I just turned 12 years old and I have had diabetes for one year. I'm a wrestler and I was wondering how you manage your sugar so you can maximize your energy when you train. Thank you. Thank you, Colin. I appreciate you asking the question. And much like yourself, I am massively, massively into sport. I've always been big into sport. So that that was something that I never wanted to let diabetes get in the way of. And I'm sure you're like that with wrestling too. Like you said, you want to optimize your energy. You want to perform at your best, much like I always wanted to do. So similar to what I was saying to Elizabeth in the previous question, about preparation so it's super super important for you to anticipate and plan ahead for your wrestling training or your wrestling matches so if you see typically that your blood sugar will spike you can plan ahead and do what you can to ensure that that doesn't happen so to give you an example when i used to play football i used to see a big spike in my blood sugar and then it would drop soon after. Now, that used to drive me mad because I felt as if diabetes was was getting in the way. And like you said yourself, I wasn't optimizing my blood sugar and energy output. So when I started seeing a regular spike and then drop, what I used to do was I used to adjust my insulin and my food prior to training. So I would eat my last meal maybe one hour to one and a half hours before a match so that I knew I wasn't going to get a massive spike from the food and I knew that I hadn't taken insulin too close to my training or match where I would become sensitive to that insulin and I may see my blood sugar drop. So what I liked to do was eat some slow-releasing carbohydrate like sweet potato, whole grain rice, whole grain pasta, even a banana or two. So with this, I might see a slight rise with my blood sugar, but because of that slow release from the slow release in carbohydrate, it would then prevent my blood sugar from dropping too low. So Colin, I'm sure with your wrestling, you're seeing a spike. You might even see a drop. So it's all about the planning ahead. And if you can adjust your food and your insulin prior to your wrestling, that's definitely going to help you out. And I'm sure you've only been diagnosed a year, you said. So you have a lot to learn. You're doing a fantastic job so far. And 
I'm sure any opponent that you face wrestling is going to be easy compared <laughs> to your fight with diabetes. So keep that up. Brilliant. And for the final uh, few questions of the this week's podcast, we're going to the Southern Hemisphere. All the way down there. Oh, we're going down under. <laughs> Hi, my name is Zoe. I live in Australia. I got, I am six and I got... And I got diabetes when I was four. My question is, will I have diabetes when I grow up? (laughs) Thank you, Zoe. I really appreciate you sending a message from so far away. You're on the other side of the world, but I'm sure we have so much in common. And I've actually never been to Australia, but I've heard it's a beautiful place. So I'm sure you can spend a lot of time out on the beaches there. Unfortunately, you will still have it when you grow up, but... It won't stop you from doing anything that you want to do. It won't stop you from doing all the things that you hope to do in your life. Diabetes can be like, I suppose it's like a friend on your shoulder. And when you're nice and you take care of him, he looks after you. And it's like a a good relationship that you can have. So Zoe, I'm much older than you. I've, I've had diabetes a much, much longer time. And I'm just like you. I have days when I'm tired. I have days when I'm fed up. I have days when I'm sad. And I'm sure me and you feel feel the same way like that. But because I've always looked after my diabetes, my diabetes has looked after me too. It's made me stronger. It's made me always look after my health. It's helped me make loads of new friends. It's made me very happy because I can speak to diabetics all over the world just like you so it's not always a bad thing sometimes it can be annoying to inject my blood sugar sometimes it can be annoying to watch the food i'm eating sometimes it can be annoying because i can't eat all the sweets that i want to eat (laughs) and i'm sure you're like that as well but even though me and you feel like that sometimes zoe it's made me a much better person it's made me a much happier person. I know exactly what I want to do every day. And I have a feeling that even when you're my age, you'll know way more about diabetes than I do. So I'll probably be the one coming to you for advice. Zoe doesn't stop there though, Owen. If you see, we have another question from Zoe. Another question. Hi, it's me again. And I want to ask you one more question. Why does the medicine hurt if it's just supposed to help me feel better. Bye. <laughs> Two questions, Zoe. Thanks so much. That's very kind of you. Why does the medicine hurt when it's supposed to make you feel better? That happens to me too. Sometimes when I take my insulin, I feel that little pinch. It stings. It's that uncomfortable feeling, but it's always, always very important that you take your insulin shots. It's like giving your body a superpower. If you don't take it, you don't feel like you usually do. You don't feel good. You might feel sick. So it's important that you always do it, even though it can be slightly sore at times. It helps you feel better throughout the day. It allows you to play with your friends, watch TV, eat nice food, play games, annoy your mother. So it's it's a good thing, even though sometimes it can hurt. And I remember when I was diagnosed, Zoe, the insulin injections kind of hurt me too. And 
I didn't really know why I had to do them and I didn't understand why it was so important. And I felt that stinging feeling and I didn't really want to take them. But over time, the more I learned, the more I knew about my diabetes and the more I realized how important it is. And as you grow up, you'll learn so much about your diabetes, like I said in the previous question, and the shots won't hurt anymore. And you feel as if you won't even have diabetes because it all comes so natural to you. It's like when your mom tries to make you eat vegetables. So I hated eating vegetables when I was younger, but I knew I had to because they were so good for me. So when you take a shot and it's kind of sore, I know you don't want to take the shot, but it's like eating your vegetables. You don't like the taste. You don't like the shot, but it's much better for you and you'll feel a lot better when you do. Thank you so much for getting in contact and making this podcast episode such a great episode. And I'm right in saying on that this won't be the last episode that we do where the kids ask the questions. I think we had a lot of fun. Absolutely not. There were there were a good few sent in, so I really appreciate it. And again, I just want to say a personal thank you to Elena, Elizabeth, Clarice, Colin, and Zoe. Really appreciate you guys getting in touch and really appreciate you asking me a question. I also want to say a big thank you to the parents that I was in touch with and any parent out there that has a diabetic child. I was 19 when I was diagnosed and I suppose I was at a mature age where I could understand the importance of it. I could understand the severity of it. And even then I found it so difficult. So to any parent out there, you are doing an unbelievable job. I can only imagine how difficult it must be. So keep doing what you're doing. It's a it's a fantastic thing you're doing and it'll definitely get easier. So thanks so much. Really, really appreciate it. And I look forward to the next episode. Uh, sticking on the parents, we do you do have a lot of parents with diabetic kids and we have talked about it in the future. We will try and do a couple of episodes that are aimed towards parents and helping kids because obviously, as you said, you were diagnosed at 19, but it must be completely different for an adult who doesn't have it or doesn't understand the feeling of what their child is going through. So I think we will in the future try and get a few couple of episodes aimed towards helping out parents. But until then, if you have any questions, if you're an adult and you own an email account, you can email <laughs> us if you want Owen to answer any of your adult questions. That email address again is theinsalonepodcast at gmail.com. And on another note, like I have said plenty of times before, a massive part of my diabetes management are my three A's, which are awareness, anticipation, and action. So I've spoken about it previously on the podcast, but last week I released a free downloadable e-guide all about awareness, anticipation, and action. If you want to get your hands on it, you can get it directly from my Instagram page. It's a free download and you might find it beneficial to your diabetes management. And of course, Owen's Instagram is at InselOwen. Like, share, subscribe, comment, do whatever you can to try and get the word of this podcast out there. Owen, thank you again for another great episode. Graham, thanks so much for joining me. And thank you again to parents and specifically the children from this episode. Really appreciate it. And I'll chat to you soon. Have a good week. <laughs>